Hey everyone, this is Jason Gilligan, the CEO of EarFluence and executive producer of the Startup Stage podcast. I just want to acknowledge that we did not have a show last week. It just did not feel like the right time given everything that's going on in the country. And I just want to share our collective thoughts as a team at EarFluence. The EarFluence team has personally shared what the murder of George Floyd and the protests mean to them. Our individual feelings range from deeply saddened to naively horrified. Collectively, we're pissed off. We're pissed off that this is only one instance of deadly police brutality. We're pissed off that somehow, when the world should be rallying together against something so unequivocally and morally wrong, some are finding ways to be divided. We're pissed off that we, as a nation, can't agree on something as fundamental as being human. Black lives matter. EarFluence is committed to lifting up voices of those in underrepresented communities. We've shared stories from underrepresented entrepreneurs with the Startup Stage podcast. We've shared stories from diversity and inclusion leaders with the Diversity Beyond the Checkbox podcast. We've had uncomfortable conversations on stereotypes and unconscious bias, and we will keep pushing forward. We will keep asking questions so that we may have a better understanding of all people. We will continue to celebrate diversity, and we will continue to celebrate black people. We hope we can help others who want to learn and understand diverse perspectives so that we may all have conversations with people different from us. Thank you, and let's get to the Startup Stage podcast. Yeah, so I have spent years listening to business podcasts, watching things like Shark Tank, dreaming of the day where I would be in this position, standing before investors pitching my dream. While I, like I said, I am nervous, a bit overwhelmed heading into this, I have anticipation of good dialogue between the people. Um, there is nothing really out there on the market that is like this. So hopefully we'll be sparking some interest. And at the end of the day, hopefully we'll be able to find an investor or two that's willing to partner with us to bring this to market. Connor Strickland is a 23-year-old serial entrepreneur. Yes, serial at 23. He runs three companies currently, a plant delivery service, a marketing agency, and the company he's pitching to investors today, DigiHome. DigiHome gives you all the information you need to know about your home in one free convenient app. All the paint colors, all the flooring, all the roofing, everything about your house so that when something needs to be replaced, you know exactly what to look for. DigiHome gets rid of that file cabinet full of documents on your house that you may or may not have been keeping up with. This sounds like a complete home run, but if the app is free, how is this gonna make money for the investors? Let's meet them. My name is Donald Thompson, CEO of WalkWest and Angel Investor. Donald Thompson invests in anything he's passionate about, whether that's the idea or the entrepreneur, and where he can be helpful in being a mentor as well. Hi, I'm Robbie Hardy. I'm founder and chair of Excel Ventures. Robbie is a champion of the women's entrepreneurship movement, and her venture fund focuses exclusively on debt deals to female founders. Hey, I'm Tim McLaughlin. I'm a partner at Co-Founders Capital. Co-Founders Capital has raised $43 million to invest in North Carolina companies. Hello, I'm Keith Daniel, I'm co-founder and general partner of Resilient Ventures. Resilient Ventures invests in early-stage African-American founders. I'm your host, Sharon Delaney McLeod, and you're listening to the Startup Stage Podcast, where underrepresented entrepreneurs can share their dreams with angel investors, venture capitalists, and you. This is season one, and we're in the Triangle of North Carolina, a place where colleges and tech form a vibrant startup community. 
These episodes were recorded in late February, right before the world changed due to COVID-19. At the end of this season, we'll explore what's happened to these companies since the recordings and since the launch of this podcast. Did they get the investment they were looking for? Did other investors contact them after listening to this show? Has the worldwide pandemic affected their chances of getting funding? All right, let's hear from Connor Strickland of DigiHome on episode seven of the Startup Stage podcast. All right, good afternoon. My name is Connor Strickland and I'm the founder of DigiHome. I'm here today seeking $100,000 for 5% equity in my company. The $100,000 will be used to launch DigiHome at this year's 2020 Wake County Parade of Homes in November, as well as to finish funding for development resources, as well as advertising. Welcome to North Carolina, where a year after you close on your first home, a hurricane comes through and you lose shingles above your garage. Do you know the exact information about the shingles on your house? What about that window that was blown out from debris? Welcome to DigiHome. DigiHome is an app that starts with the original building materials list to build a database of every aspect of your home. Major items like siding, windows, and every other building product used to build your home. But wait, DigiHome also stores things like paint colors, flooring, light fixtures, and even landscaping. If it was used to build your dream home, then it is in our database. DigiHome also digitizes owner manuals, sends maintenance reminders, keeps up with all of your warranty information, and we provide all of our homeowners with a digitized list of preferred vendors, all of which is accessible with a voice-activated command, hey Digi, what is the color of my living room? We focus on new construction and we start with the original building materials list to build a database for each and every home. The builders benefit because it is a value-add product that separates them from their competition. The homeowner benefits because there's absolutely no cost to them to use it. As long as the homeowner is the owner of their house, then they have full access to the data and information about their home via the app. And when they are ready to sell and move on, we can simply transfer the account over to the new homeowner. How do we make money? The builders pay for the original product that they provide to their homeowner. And the cost is based off of the square footage and the price of the house. Service providers pay yearly fees in order to be a part of our preferred vendors list. And then as the database grows and the homes age, the data becomes our most valuable asset. Soon, homeowners all across the nation will be asking if their new home comes with a DigiHome account. We are starting with a hyper-local approach here to Wake County. However, this model is scalable all across the nation. So who's ready to join in changing what homeowners expect when they are now looking for a new house? Thank you. So how do you get builders to provide all this? No offense, but yep. you know, I've built a lot of houses. And you, know, you think they're using... XYZ product, you yep. know, like regular, you know, I don't know the name, sheetrock, but it's Chinese drywall that's going to, you know, so how do you get, you know, them to say this is what we're putting in, we know what it is, and actually do it. Yep, you know, absolutely. It's not a big, it's not an industry that has a good reputation for being precise. So what we have found so far is that a handful of builders, we're, we're primarily focusing on the luxury homes in, in the county. Most of these home builders have an app or a database that they now use in order for tracking their scheduling, their materials, their calls, and everything. Each of these platforms, you can export those files into a CSV file mm -hmm. or something that they can send over directly to us. Or you could API in them. Or, exactly. Exactly. So there's a way where we could either do it automated, where as soon as they put it in, it can populate our database. Or if they change something last minute, they can send that over to one of our account managers, and then we can input that data. What about existing construction? 
Existing construction is a little bit more difficult. They don't keep all the original materials, the warranties, the make and models, the wiring, all of that stuff. So we're primarily focusing on new construction because we can build their database from the ground up. And then over the entire life cycle of that home, we're able to track additions, revisions, and even makes and changes to the house that the homeowner, they can change directly within the app if they wish, or they could just notify their, their account manager and then we can update it on, on behalf of them. I mean, I have to say, if I, this, I looked for something like this mm-hmm. when we did our last renovated a house. And I, so I just have this spreadsheet and it's just painful. It is. I would have used something like this as we did things. And so then at least I would know, but exactly. so I, you know, and that I understand that's not your market, but I think it probably is one. I couldn't find anything. So you're asking the original home builder to provide this information and, and pay for it, right? Correct. So the value to the home builder is that they have this database that, that they can then sell lead generation to people coming in for repairs or that it's a value add to the homeowner? What's the value prop to the home builder? To the builder is most of the time your builders, they build a house and then they sell it and then they move on to the next 50 or 100 homes that they have to build in the course of the year. They're not in the business of maintaining that client relationship. So if I have an issue with my house, as you as a builder, you do not want me calling you, asking you, hey, I just had a hurricane came through, it blew out this window. Can you tell me the make and model so mm-hmm. that I can make sure that it matches every other window in my house? So it's a time saver. It's a time saver. And with time saves money. Well, yeah, it's a selling. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you thought, if you had a builder that was going to give you this, I mean, you know, how you get builders to do it, it's a question I don't mm-hmm. know. Is, is and it you're big still enough? speaking to the builder when in the house is finished. I'm not sure I've heard. And again, this is, you know, I'm sitting here thinking about, you know, what level of invest home buyer I have been. And I have not been that luxury home buyer mm-hmm. at this point. But I, I have, you know, recognized some of the dynamics of having owned my home now for over 11 years and some of the things that have come up, yep. you know, replacing two, both, <laughs> both HVAC units and yep. things like that. But I'm not sure you've made it clear to me that there is enough of a market, like the pain, pain point is a word we use sometimes, mm-hmm. for this to be, a really a scalable business. I'll tell you one quick story of how this got started was my brother, four years old and I was going through just in the past 12 months buying his first house. Six months into it, the builder came back to do his inspections to see if there were any touch up things that needed to be done. There were a couple of nail pops here and there. He sent out his painter. They painted it. They thought they had the right coloring. <laughs> Little did they know that, that, that they didn't have the same color. And no one in the entire crew knew the exact color. So it ended up costing the builder, they had to repaint the entire interior of a three-story house, cost them thousands of dollars with something that could have been solved in a matter of a two-second search. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they, they need the formulas for the paint. I, exactly. think, I think this is a sell to, the, to women. Uh. I think women <laughs> care about this more. Than- but, but in that, in that uh, case that you just said, why isn't the home builder investing in their own internal database to keep track of that information? I mean, that information... It's great that it's shared with the homeowner, but they they are, they need to give you that information. Why don't they keep track of it themselves? Yeah, yeah, so that's that's a good point. Uh, yes, yeah. I'm thinking through. So I'm thinking yeah. through the sales process. So yep. if I'm going and pitching this to the home to, to the to, to the, the home builder, yep. yeah. I'm going and pitching this to the home builder. This is going to save you time and it's going to save you money. Mm-hmm. And the reason it's going to save you time and money is because you'll get the right paint the first time. Mm-hmm. People will have this in their app. They can go buy their own paint and they can mm-hmm. they can do it themselves. All we need from you, home builder, is for you to give us all the information so that then we can charge you for having that information. Well, if they have the information to begin with, why aren't they just storing it and keeping it? Do you understand where I'm going, the objection? Yep. Mm -hmm. Do you have an answer for that? 
I think it comes back to, once again, they don't have account managers that are going to handle this. That builder is going to be out on a job site for an additional 50 homes, or if say it's like a Ryan homes in Wake County, they're building three to 500 homes a year. They don't have dedicated people that are going to sit there and maintain that account after the fact. And if you try to contact that builder directly afterwards, they're going to have to go back to the office. They're going to have to find it. And what we found out was that a lot of them, they might have the information, but they don't care about keeping that information for the next five or 10 years. So your strategy and make be right is that the builders are lazy. Correct. That's what I was trying right, to like say. That, no, I mean, that, well, like, yeah. that may be right. I mean, like, the, 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 and that's not their thing. I mean, I think mm-hmm. it's you do what you do well. They are the nail and hammer. And this stuff is like, you know, they have a clipboard or they have something. I mean, Sherwin-Williams is an example. I mean, that's where all their paint colors are for every house they build. But they don't always do it by, ad- trust me, I know all this. They don't do it by address. <laughs> you try to figure out what the <laughs> formula was for the paint. And so you could partner with, you know, you could get it that way. So. They are lazy. I mean, and, and that's not to say. I mean, I no, no. I don't want. That, I don't want area, builders right? who I'm, are listening to this. It's I'm, just that this is not their thing. It's yeah, you know, I it's get it. the it's the back office. Thing. I mean, we're all lazy in things that we don't want to do. We're not good at. Mm-hmm. So that so expertise. it's not yeah. The, but I hear. I mean, I see what you're saying, but I think that there's something here. I well, just don't I agree with that. There's something here, <clears throat> but I'm looking at the revenue model. Who's willing to pay for this? For sure. What what I do know is aftermarket home repairs, roofing companies painting companies, mm-hmm. flooring companies, who I know flooring companies, they want that lead where when sure. somebody looks up, what paneling was I using for my floor sure. or for my wall because oh, I need I to replace a going. piece of it? They're the ones that are going to pay you $100 for that lead. Yep. And that plays into our in-app advertising. So we have our preferred vendor. So a flooring company, HVAC, repair, a plumber, et cetera. If you come in and you have a big gash in your floor and you need a repair, you look up the flooring and our app knows, okay, you just looked up flooring. Here are our top three vendors that can come in and replace that. This is a giveaway or a revenue share though with the home builders to get that information. Let's take a break. Coming up, Tim McLaughlin has some questions on how Connor got to a $1.9 million valuation. But before we get to that, let's talk about WeWork. While many are asking the question around what the workplace will look like in the coming months, WeWork is actively working toward a solution. The design and operations of WeWork spaces will completely reimagine the work environment, focusing on your health, safety, and peace of mind with new cleaning standards and operating procedures to keep spaces clean and your health a priority. This will be reimagined design standard to keep members at a safe distance from each other in common areas. Day-to-day operations of running your business have drastically changed, but WeWork is dedicated to providing its members and the greater community with resources that support your business during this unprecedented time. Visit WeWork.com to learn about the company's response to COVID-19 and how they're helping businesses of all sizes navigate the future workplace. Okay, back to the startup stage. So tell me about your traction. So right now you're valuing your company at $1.9 million, right? So what justifies $1.9 million? Tell me where you're at. Yeah, so there's a spreadsheet on the back of the one-sheeter that shows our projections for the first four years. Um, We got the valuation by our profit for year four using a four times multiplier. This is based off of a percentage of the new homes that are being built just in Wake County alone. So all of these numbers are just for Wake County. As noted, there were just shy of 15,000 residential permits that were issued in 2019 alone, of which 8,000 of those were for new constructions. 
So these numbers are based off of getting a percentage of those 8,000s that are anticipated on being built each year. So I think half of my question was answered very well, mm -hmm. how you got that valuation, the traction that you yep. have so far. Yep. So we have been spending the last eight months working with builders, developers, talking them through this idea. And then now we have partnered with a group of three builders that are building a lucrative luxury 50 home complex in the Cary side of Wake County. And they are launching this parade of homes. They have come in with us and we have, we've worked through a lot of these details with them to allow us to set up shop in one of their garages as the official digi home house in this year's 2020 parade of homes. Parade of homes have thousands of people that walk through each of their homes every year. Everything from builders to realtors to actual homeowners. We're trying to go one after the builder to say, hey, this is a huge value add that you can actually provide to your homeowners. But we also want the homeowners to be walking through there and asking their builder, hey, does, does my home come with this, this digi home product? So you don't have a product yet. Is that the issue? You don't have the app? Correct. So our, so I have a team of five. So there's myself, I have two developers oh, okay. and so two designers. It. Oh, okay. Yes, ma'am. So we are building everything in-house. So you'll have the app in time for the... Correct. So if you don't get 100,000, you're okay. Correct. The 100,000 is going to finalizing the development and launch of DigiHome this fall. How are you funding this right now? How do you have five, a team of five? So the four people are all NC State students. We have two... equity. So we have two girls that are designers at NC State that are doing it to build their portfolio. They both want to go into full-time app development. So I brought them in and said, hey, you are getting ready to do internships. They are currently studying abroad for design. I said, let's partner together, help us on the design, and in return, you can use this in a portfolio builder when you are out talking to potential people. The goal is that we will keep them on full-time with DigiHome. The two developers are in the same situation. There are two app developers. They have background building apps for small and local businesses in the area. I know both of them personally said, hey, here's, here's the product. Once again, they're trying to build a portfolio and then with the hopes that we can retain them full-time. So the 100,000, so they're going to build the app. Correct. So the 100,000 is for? 100,000 is to go to? Not to build the app. It, you'll, have the, you'll have your product or at least you'll have version one. We'll have version one, yes. So I am, so personally, I am paying the developers and the designers something. Okay. One, because we are not yet giving up equity in the company, they're doing, for them, they're doing this to build a portfolio, to get experience, which is why it has been a little Good. slow, a little bit slower, which is why having some capital, we could speed this up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. What are you doing? Are you doing this full-time or you have another full-time job? So I currently have another full-time job. I run a marketing agency here in Raleigh. And so you're taking money you're making from that marketing agency and paying these other folks something? So I'm taking the salary that I am taking from my marketing agency, taking out of my personal salary Good for you. to fund my new deal. project. Good for you. And then now where we are now, we are nine months out from the 2020 Parade of Homes. We have a group of three builders that have a lucrative luxury home development that wants us to set up shop in their house in their house, hand out iPhones as people walk through to show people how this works. And now we have this tight kind of window of opportunity. So to, why aren't they investors? And we've had that conversation and they are more interested in building their ego in terms of, hey, we are the first builders to have this rather than investing their money. I think there's a lot that you need to work on, mm -hmm. but I do think there's something here. Okay. So if I had to think through this, I think your revenue model is off. I okay. think we need to change that. Yep. I think the way that you're going to go about acquiring consumers to mm -hmm. use the app and update the app is yeah. off. That's <laughs> something we can work on. Okay. 
And again, this is my perspective, not knowing the industry, but it's stuff that we can talk about. I think the amount of capital you need to raise is low. Okay. And I think the valuation of your company is high. Okay. Got it. Other than that, (laughs) other than that, other than that, I'm interested. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think you need more money and, Mm -hmm. and we can work through a model where you're acquiring B2C customers through a B2B channel. Got it. Which, which I think is going to help you scale faster and get to revenue faster. Okay. So if you'd be willing to take more money and give up significantly more Mm -hmm. equity, Mm -hmm. we can continue this conversation and I'll be happy to introduce you to folks that I know that will put you in touch with the right people. Perfect. So let's follow up and let's have those conversations. Absolutely. All right. Thank you. Yeah. We invest in Excel Ventures. We invest in women. So mm-hmm. I think what you're, I, I mean, I think there's a big demand for it. I think Tim's right. I think I didn't get where he was going, but I totally get where he is about, mm-hmm. you know, what the, what the value of is and who, where the money comes from. And I, I, from a consumer perspective, which is, I think there's a huge need. So awesome. wish you the very best. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for presenting. It was, it was good to kind of get an, a bit of an appreciation of kind of the niche that you're, mm-hmm. you're operating in. Our fund focuses on founders of color mm-hmm. in particular. So unless you have a, a co-founder that happens to be of color, then then you're not a match for us. And that, and I don't know where we could add value just in terms of our background mm-hmm. as, a, as a fund. So, but yeah, grateful to really uh, understand the market you're going after and wish you all the best. Awesome. Thank you. I probably would follow Tim. There's a lot of, there's, there's something there, but there's a lot of holes. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is and not, not so much just the ones he talked about for something of this size, it'd be really important um, whether you're coachable or not. So I would, li- I would really, I would really look for feedback from Tim as he works through his due diligence. Yeah. And do you take that coaching, that advice and how do you, that pull and play? Yeah. definitely. And, and then I'd probably just keep up through Tim. Okay. And, awesome. And then if they green light it, I'd probably be a part of if you put up a sidecar or something like that to do it or however you sure. yep. decide to do it. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much. Connor, so it was great. It was yeah. great. Thank you, Thank you yeah. very much. Good yeah. prep. Good luck. Good, good stuff. Yeah, it was very good. Thank you. Good job. Yeah, we're doing. All right, Connor, you follow up with me, right? Absolutely. All right, cool. Well, thank you. Yeah. He can find my information. He, he can do I bet he can find it. <laughs> if, if you can't find my information, we're not we're not investing. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, that'd be tough. Yeah, that's <laughs> challenge, challenge one. That'd be an L. I didn't see it. Shot bite number one. So Tim and Donald are going to continue the conversation with Connor, even though they think he doesn't have the right monetization strategy. To check up on the progress of DigiHome, head over to GoDigiHome.com. So when we just moved, well, a year and a half ago, we moved into our house. It was a, um, an accountant and his wife had this house just for them. It was pristine. And they handed over a package of information for us which was yeah. every paint color, every piece of flooring, where they yeah. got it, all the codes for everything. It was perfect. perfect. And it has made our lives That's so nice. much easier yeah. since then. But the way <laughs> the way you do this is you go to, I, want the, I need the information from the home builder. That is, without that, I have nothing. So to get the, home, the information from the home builder, I say, let's partner together so that we have this information that I can track, that I can then take and resell to these Roofers, repairs, right. whatever. I can sell that information so they can and come in. They'll, they're going to save money, but they're going to bid out and they're going to they're going to bid on these leads. And I'm going to give money back to my home builders. What the home builders are going to provide in exchange for that, not only the information, but the 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 consumers. 
So they're they're providing fifty hundred thousand yep. consumers at a time. I, I mean, there's a, there's a nice business model. Yeah. Like I, I just I think there's a oh, yeah, but it needs real due diligence. Yeah, I know I know someone that owns a group called Legacy Flooring, and Legacy Flooring does come. all the flooring for uh, Lowe's. So yeah. in the area, so they mm-hmm. anybody that comes in, they schedule it. They make right. sure everybody's there. Anytime mm-hmm. a consumer checks, what kind of flooring was used before? Well, that means there's probably a stain. Something, That's something's exactly going right. on. Something happened. And now I'm targeting them with ads, not just through the app, but everywhere. His revenue model is, as I said, is wrong. Right. Yeah. But the way he thought about the wrong revenue numbers is right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly. <laughs> like looking at this, these numbers make sense if what he said he could do was true. Was, was true. true. Thanks for listening to the Startup Stage podcast. We'll be back next week with another dream chaser looking for capital to take the next step in their business. For more information on the investors and entrepreneurs, visit StartupStagePodcast.com. Startup Stage is proudly produced by EarFluence with recordings and editing help from Joe Woolworth at Podcast Carry. Executive producer is Jason Gillikin. Editor is Molly Brock. Assistant producers are Jalen Hatton, Candace Kelly and Cece Huffman. Special thanks to the University Club in Durham for hosting the recordings. Thank you to our sponsors, Helios, Innovate Capital Law, Lenovo, Startup Hats, WeWork, Fancy This Photography, and the University Club. I'm Sharon Delaney McLeod, and we'll see you next week on the Startup Stage Podcast.